Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. I'm here today with Nash Maggi, and I'm very excited to share his story. I've been wanting to do this interview for a while, and he's always been so darn busy. I finally got a hold of him to sit down for a few minutes. Um, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. <laughs> cool. So we were just uh, talking before we got started here, and I was um, fascinated to hear you. I knew you were of Indian descent, but I did not know that you grew up in England. And uh, so, yeah, kind of kind of tell us how you, you got involved with the restaurant industry. You know, you've been a very successful restaurateur multiple times. Well, the restaurant part starts with my parents, too, because in Africa, they own hotels and restaurants. So, but I went to England since I was nine years old. So my education is English, or my upbringing is English. So I'm Indian by origin, my grandfather, English by upbringing, American by business, and now I live in Mexico. <laughs> what else? So I, you said you you're, you started out your career um, working in I, the hospitality industry? Yeah, I did hotel school in England um, as a hotel management. But I ended up going into the kitchens in Intercontinental in Cologne. I started as a commie chef, demi chef, body chef, and then moved to the Hilton in Dusseldorf as a sous chef, second chef. So that's where my background comes in, in the kitchen. But as far as hospitality and parents, family. Okay. We've always been in the restaurant business. Okay. My younger brother has two restaurants in Los Angeles. My older brother has a restaurant in Seattle. Okay. And I'm the beach bum in Mexico. <laughs> So it really is a, sort of a family business for you. Awesome. Okay. And um, so you spent how long in Germany? Uh, three years in Germany. Three years. Okay. Do you speak German? Ich spreche in Deutsch. Awesome. Ich vergessen so viel. So, and then after Germany, you went to the United States? No, after Germany, I went to Canada. Okay. Mom and dad had already moved to Canada. And so from Vancouver, and then I went to Hawaii. Okay. And then Hawaii for 26 years. And did you go to Hawaii to work or to surf? Or, uh... No. I, <laughs> I went to Hawaii basically to do business. Okay. Found a location in right in Waikiki. So right away off the bat you went there to start a restaurant? To start a restaurant. Okay, awesome. And then, but that was good because um, I'd go to the Hawaii Yacht Club, okay. hang out at the club with my boat. Cool, and I know uh, when we were here, the last time you were talking about, um, you've had multiple boats, you're quite a, a sailor, and uh, done, done some uh, I've done the whole traveling. Pacific, I've done the whole Pacific, from Hawaii to Tahiti, to Cook Islands, to Tonga, to New Zealand, to Papua New Guinea, Port Moselle, and then to New Zealand, Australia, Brisbane, and then back to, uh, to Fiji, and back to Hawaii. Wow. And then from Hawaii, was there for, like I said, all this time, and sold my bar in Hawaii, got in my boat, sailed across to LA, 
San Diego, Oliviate, El Salvador, Costa Rica, across the Panama Canal. I was 20 miles out of Isla Mujeres when I lost my transmission. So waiting for wind, came closer, I towed in, waiting for parts, they sent me the wrong parts. I'm getting drunk every night. Not a good thing, but yes, I did. And um, found a small little location on Hidalgo, which is the main street in Isla. And there was a small little restaurant that was closed. And I said, why is this place closed right on the main drag? Oh, too much competition, too many restaurants. And I said, yeah, you're right. You should have a bar. So I opened the bar, made it a sports bar, got busy, and basically it was too small. Now we have a bigger place. So how long did you have Nash open? When, this, when did you this, open that? This would have been seven years. Okay. And had you had a sports bar before, or was that yes. a new concept for you? You had in, in, done in, in Hawaii. It was a sports bar. Okay. So. Was it a, a big sports bar like you have now, or was it, was, it a smaller? It, it was bigger, meaning it was 150 seat. Okay. You know, where this one is, we put 500 people here in Super Bowl, so it's a whole different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and did you like Hawaii? Um, yeah, I enjoyed Hawaii. And you, how many years were you there? 26. 26. Okay, I guess you did like it. <laughs> different different lifestyle. Hawaii was a different lifestyle. Here's a different lifestyle. Different from here? Yeah. How, how so? Here is still very rural. Hawaii is expensive, but it's still America. Okay. You know, so there's a lot more structure there. But they still have a lot of international tourists, like yeah, here, a lot of Japanese, right? Yeah, A lot of especially Asian yeah. tourists. Yeah, same thing, like in... LA, you had more Mexican people working for you. In Hawaii, you had more Filipino working for you. In Mexico, you still got Mexicans working for you. But we try to get some uh, people in from the States in Canada to help us. Because high season gets busy and being a sports bar, we get a lot of people. Even when you're on a holiday, you still want to watch your team. Right. You know, in English. <laughs> right. So that's the <laughs> I'll attest to that for sure. So, um, so you've been in, in the restaurant industry a long time. We were talking uh, before we started recording that one of the challenges is finding good help in this, you know, in the, in paradise. Yeah, people don't want to work. Um, did you have that same challenge in Hawaii as well? No. You didn't. Okay. Because a lot of people from the mainland came to Hawaii. Okay. You know. So and they really needed a job. They needed a job and they were Americans. There was no problem with their visas. And like yeah. here in Mexico, uh, Americans do want to come and work here. And Canadians do want to come work here. Argentina come a lot. But again, we got to figure out how to get their permission mm -hmm. and permits to work here. Mm -hmm. Which we do help some of our staff. You know, if they're going to stay and we know they're going to stay for any period of time. We will have the lawyers get them. You'll help them with yeah. the paperwork so they can do that. So if they prove themselves, basically. If they prove themselves. <laughs> then that you'll underline. give them some assistance with that. <laughs> so are you, uh, your, your boat is still here. And uh, do you live on your boat? Yes, I do. You're, you're living in your boat um, in the lagoon, I would imagine. In the lagoon. That's the place Next to be. <laughs> We're neighbors. <laughs> We're at ours is at Oscars actually. Yeah, but you're, um, you're, you're happy, ours free, mine's not. <laughs> right. 
such thing as two for one here. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> we're actually living at the house right now, so we're, we're not on our boat. But do you have any visions of, of sailing again um, or no? Body is getting tired. Yeah. I don't know if I can take the challenge because I don't do weekend sailing. I do blue water sailings. Um, to get back on the boat for a long run, I'm trying to debate that. People don't realize how physical it is. And, you know, Tom and I were, were talking about that. That was one of the main reasons. He just turned 68 years old. And, you know, he's been an international yacht racer most of his life. And, you know, when I met him, he had, you know, the Popeye arms from, you know, racing four times a week in Newport. Um, but as you get older, yeah, we faced some pretty serious weather conditions. And, you know, you go, gosh, do I really want to put myself in that situation, in that situation again? So it, it really uh, it does come to a point where you say, hmm. <laughs> but it's the closest to God I've ever been to. Really? I don't need a mantra to meditate when I'm on my sailboat. <laughs> Amen. I listen, I listen to the whoosh of the water. I look at the stars and I'm just on a nice, calm rhythm. So, if you want to learn how to meditate, you learn how to sail. Learn how to sail. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. People don't realize that the, it's not just the, what do you say? People always say, what's your nicest place? What's your best place? It's the experiences you have in places that you remember. The journey, not the destination. Yeah. Not to sound cliche. <laughs> when you're there, you, you meet people, you find out their culture, their way of life, and then you either accept it or you say thank you very much mm -hmm. you know which is the learning curve of any person you know there's academic learning and then there's world learning mm -hmm. learning from people learning from you know others to get to better yourself to have a better look at life you've heard people say living out of the box well i don't know if i can actually say i live out of the box but that is part of my life i don't unconventional run. yeah I don't live my life like everybody else because the never says, oh, you're so lucky, you can get up and go anytime, you can do whatever you want. I said, I still work. Right. I still have responsibilities. It's right. not like I'm just doing nothing. Right. And there's only so much you can go to the beach, you know. And so working is one of the things that keeps me occupied. And for me, I love what I do because I meet a lot of people. I make a lot of friends, and that's what makes Nash successful, is when people come down, they want to come and say, where's Nash? You know, oh, he's gone to Cancun to shop. But, you know, when you love what you do, and you enjoy it, there's nothing else. People retire because they've worked for other people all their lives, and now they finally have a chance to do what they want to do. But if you've always been your own boss and you've always done what you want, there's no need, need to, to retire. retire. So I do want to cut back though. <laughs> Six, eight months out of the year is what I'm planning to do. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. The situation the world's dealing with right now, yeah. But yeah. That, that will pass too. I, I believe so. So, um, so yeah, which brings me to a question, I guess, is um, I would imagine as many years as you've been in the industry, you've probably seen more than one peak and valley in uh, 
as things have happened in the you know in the world uh, or in the, even local economies and I they're actually predicting that potentially 80% of restaurants will go out of business um, because in, in, at least in the United fire, States with yeah with, with the uh, circumstances um, that are going on in, um, globally do you do you have any um, no because I do agree with all this time when people are not allowed to do what they want to do and maybe they're not making a lot but they're saving a lot mm -hmm. so as soon as this thing lifts up or the ban of travel lifts up people would be looking forward to just getting out and breathing again and they're going to go to places where it's hot and they know that if there's a, still a chance of virus it's not living in the hot climates mm -hmm. or it doesn't like how hot climates is what they've said and um, so I think it will bounce back as fast as people will spend more money. They'll have more extra cash to spend. So, it, but you've been through downturns before. Yeah, but it's always come through. You know, How have you um, been able to pivot and adjust when things like that happen, when you have a downturn like that, well, as happens in a lot of industries? Luckily, in my, in my places, I know every facet of my business, which means I wait tables, I wash dishes, I bought and I do whatever it takes to make a, make this work. So even right now, we've let everybody go that wanted to go. We've got a skeleton crew, which means I've got a bartend tomorrow. I got to be in the kitchen on Sunday. So there's so a lot just of really... people that own restaurants that are just owners. They have money. They own. They hire the manager. They hire the chef. And when downturn comes, they can't get back in there. They can't start it back up. They don't know what adjustments to make, maybe, or or the finances, or having to start just too over. much overhead. Yeah. Because once you lose, it's hard to come back. Right. And especially if you're just a businessman, then it's just a business loss. So when we talk about eighty percent, seventy percent of the businesses or seventy percent of the restaurants are going to go out of business, somebody else will take it up. Right. Well, actually, another um, you know financial guy that I, I kind of follow has said you know that might be actually an opportunity after it's all over for someone to come in and start a new restaurant. If that much of the market has gone away, right. then there will obviously be opportunities for new people to for come new in. New people to come in because oh. the one person's already lost. He doesn't want to lose any more. He doesn't want to put any more money into something that he's lost. Right. Which somebody else will come in that hasn't lost, mm -hmm. saying, "Well, I can. I'm willing to put." 50,000, 100,000, whatever, and get it for a steal. And that's kind of what you did with Nash's, right? I mean, someone yeah. else had went not made it, went out of business, and so it was already uh, set up as a restaurant. It was, it was set up as a takeout, and I made it into a bar, so yeah. So there was a, some yeah. some uh, modification yeah. to, to... But because I know my business is not like I took over a restaurant that was operational. Right. That was closed. This was closed. This was a piece of land I built it. That was a closed space that I put a bar back in or a restaurant. So different people have different talents. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, have you ever taken over one that, that has failed? Or, yes. Or you have? Uh, that, that is what my forte is. Oh, okay. Like, um, in the beginning, I was taking them, fixing them up. Oh, them okay. Up, business and selling them. I made money that way. Now when you get older, you don't feel like selling them as much as you just enjoy it. 
Uh-huh. Once you get it going, yeah. right, why go through that aggravation of why having try to rebuild it? something? Yeah. But there was a time where I made my money by oh, okay. building the... Turnaround specialist kind, yeah. of, kind of guy. And what would you say is probably the biggest reason that you were successful doing that? Was it the... The cult, you talk about the culture, the community that you created, obviously, yeah, culture, the bar. Yeah. Is that what you... But also, also going to college for what I do. Okay. You know, a lot of people think my business is, oh, because I've been a, bar, a, a drinker all my life, I know how to pour drinks. <laughs> right. You know, and we call them bar professionals. I yes. love them coming into my restaurant bar and telling me, oh, by the way, you should do this. Well, okay. <laughs> and I listen. I listen. I mean, everybody's got an opinion. Sure. And everybody... But they're not in my business. Right. So they don't know what it takes. They just see it from the outside that says, oh, you should do this. Okay. Well, it's funny. Um, you know, when I was practicing law, I would um, talk with lots of... I was a business attorney, and so I, and I worked with startups. And I can't tell you how many times I would have somebody come to me and, oh, I want to start a restaurant in Orange County, California, right? You know, <laughs> how, how much competition there is and how expensive it is. And my first question would be, have you ever worked in a restaurant? Right. And, and you, you know, it, it's astounding how many times. No. And even um, uh, Tom's son, my, my stepson, uh, Dustin, he wanted to go to culinary school at one point. And he said, Tom said, Dustin, tell you what, why don't you go get a job in a kitchen? Right. Go work at a restaurant. And he did, and he actually was, was very good. Uh, he ended up working at the Coach House in Newport Beach, was the All-American team, and did really well. But after a while, he didn't want to do that anymore. You know, he got into wines. He's, he started getting into the front end of the house. But, um, you know, I think that was, like, really sage advice to say, go try it for a while, you know, because it is um, an awful lot of work, and, and you've got to be passionate about it. And it, it is pretty consuming. You know, I would imagine. When you get into management, it's one of those things. Or owners. You're not working, you're living it. Yeah. Okay? People forget that this business, oh, I'm going to do my 50 hours or 60 hours a week. Doesn't mean that. Because wherever you are, you're still working. I go shopping in Cancun. I'm on, I'm on the ferry. Wherever I am, I'm still PRing or doing something. People ask me questions. You never stop working. So, you can't work more than 40, 60 hours, but you can live it. So that's the difference in, our, in my business, in the restaurant bar business. Yeah, you can have a lot of money and open a restaurant, hire your managers, hire your, uh, but you're just a cardboard restaurant. There's no personality to that. You ask me, what is my success? My success is my restaurants have a heartbeat. They have actually a feeling. We're not just about taking your money. You don't leave my restaurant, my place, and don't feel like coming back. I did not do my job. It's our success, my success, is people coming back. And that was one of the differences here on Isla. In Hawaii, I had people once a year, every December, every January, every, you know. Mm -hmm. Where in Isla, people come three, four times a year. Yeah. Dallas is an hour and a half flight. Yes. Florida's an hour and a half flight. Two, you know, hour and a half, sure. two hours. You know, used to. So they can come back. So yeah. people come three, four times a year. So once I build that one clientele, that's why I said the small restaurant we are growing because people are coming back. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why in the second month that we were open, 
with Super Bowl, we had 500 people here. Hold that thought one moment. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Integrity Vacation Property Management Trust, Truth, Results From buyer's representative services to rental market analysis, staging, marketing, and full-service property management, achieving your goals is our top priority. Visit our website at www.integrityvpm.com and get our free guide, Self-Manage or Hire, a property owner's checklist of issues to consider. Contact us for a free consultation to see if we can help you maximize the return on your investments. Integrity VPM, raising the bar in vacation property management. Okay, we're back here with Nash. And... um... Yeah, it was actually you. Uh, we were talking about Snappers, which just opened November, right? The grand opening was middle of November. Middle of November. Right, and then we actually got going at the end of November. So December was my first month. And I remember, um, you know, I heard, oh yeah, Nash has got this new new concept over by North Beach, and and we we're like, oh, we got to go check it out. And we came over here and. It was just a construction project at the time. You, you, you know, built it from dirt, right? And you showed me the plans, showed Tom and I the plans on what you had in mind. And Tom and I <laughs> later were like, "Is he lost his mind? I mean, this thing's really big." And and uh, <laughs> we just were we were excited for you, but it was just like, "Wow, this is this is really a step up from." the National Sports Bar that was on Hidalgo, right? So I would really love for you uh, to, to tell me how this whole concept came about and sort of what what the inspiration was for, for how you decided to, to, to do this. I really don't know. I think <laughs> I've lost my mind. So we were right. Yeah, I've lost my mind. I, <laughs> I'm going to be 66 on 2nd of July. Okay. I should be retired, <laughs> but I cannot use the word because it's not politically correct. Mentally challenged. <laughs> so I think I'm mentally challenged. If somebody said, Nash, use the word mentally challenged. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> yes, I've lost my mind. <laughs> but I mean, this is, it's, it's quite... Um... It's Quite successful. a facility here. I mean, it's it's beautiful. We love the the boat bar as you walk in. You've got the the dining areas with the air conditioning, which you know a lot of people really want that, especially in the hotter months. You go in the back. You've got this 
one of the biggest TVs I've ever seen in my life. Um, this big jumbotron yeah, and with this big LEDs. Big, <laughs> big, uh, you know, seating area there, and then Just pools, right swing pools. You can dine and then get in the pool. I mean, where did you come up with this? I mean, did you did you like have a dream and woke up and wrote it down, or uh? I, when I first signed the deal before the uh, contract and all that, I actually spent a whole night here, just sitting here, just walking around. Just so, on the property, the dirt. Just in the dirt. Just trying to feel it out. And again, you, you have to feel what you create. I keep emphasizing people. I see a lot of restaurants in Isla. They're empty. Right. You expect a ten dollar meal, and you're getting a twenty dollar value. You're gonna remember that. So right. All this comes through with the service and the attitude of the staff, the the welcoming, how you treat it, all that. So the design came about looking at it and I said, I don't know what to do with this big place. So what I actually did was take a regular restaurant and split it up. Okay. So I took the restaurant part and made it two separate rooms. I took the bar and put it in one area. I took the kitchen and put it in another area, where a lot of times you have a restaurant that everything's in one room. Right. And that's what I did here, is that there's separate buildings, even though they're close enough, but they're actually separate buildings. This is a separate building of a dining room, that's another dining room, which is a separate building, mm-hmm. and there's a bar in the middle, which is a separate roof over it. Mm-hmm. So everything I've done here, as far as design, was I basically took one big, one nice big restaurant and split it up. Okay. And did you did you have a, a model in mind from something else that you'd seen anywhere else or no? This is it's just, it's just brand new. Uh, yes, yeah. So I I don't know. Um, part the only of me, thing was I should have just done one one swimming pool, but it didn't balance in uh, my head. So I ended some up spending more going money on, right? and put another pool. <laughs> so now I have two swimming pools that cost a lot more money. <laughs> right. Right. So that's the only thing that I had to that wasn't necessary mm-hmm. but having the stage and the big screen I couldn't put the pool in the middle no have that. Right. So to create the stage because we do movies here there's no cinemas on East Lake. that's right so we have two or three nights where we show movies where people can come have something to drink or have a dinner and watch a movie mm-hmm. and that's been working well and the live entertainment the live entertainment especially that we're not just using the local artists, which we have some. Uh, we have one night a week that we have uh, the dancers. They do all the Mexican dances from all the states. Um, and then we bring some artists from the states, you know, just friends of friends. This is Nash. We come down and give them a flight and right. food and <laughs> drink and they're happy. Put them on stage and they're, yeah. uh, they're happy to be here. Yeah. Well, that's great. And we're, we're like, plug-and-play kind of situation because I have my own equipment on the stage. Oh, perfect. So I have my own PA systems, my own speakers, my own lights, my own microphones, my own drum set. Wow. You don't even have to bring a drum set. So that makes a difference for artists that are in the States or Canada or wherever that they can come here and still not have to bring the whole entourage of people or entourage of uh, equipment equipment. and so forth. Do you play music? No. Okay. You and just have to have all the stuff. <laughs> I 
the same stuff. Awesome. Exactly the stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a whole other topic. We talk about that in some of the other interviews. What to do with the stuff, right? <laughs> when you have a boat, you're living on a boat, you, you have to really yeah, watch the stuff, right? <laughs> Especially when you're moving from one cabinet to another. And you can't find it. So you really seem like, I mean, you've, you've lived in different countries, you know, you've, uh, you know, grew up in one country, lived, lived in different places. It sounds like you're pretty comfortable moving from culture to culture. Has, has that ever been a challenge for you? No. No? But if you're asking me if I like myself, I do. That really is what it comes down to, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm still single. The good <laughs> thing is I like myself. That wasn't supposed to be on the broadcast, right? I'm single. <laughs> oh, well, it's up to you. I mean, do, would you want it to stay that way or is that uh, something that's open to change? Day to day. Say that. You never know. <laughs> never know, right? <laughs> never say never. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> well, awesome. This has been really fun um, hearing your story and um, being able to, to chat about how this um, beautiful facility came about. and. Um, I know well, this this, be... this interview might be over, but my life is not. <laughs> the stories are still going to go on. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> but before we wrap it up, is there anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to share? Um, just to let the people know that in this crisis, I hope and wish that whoever's above that takes care of us is going to still take care of us. You know, it's tough times, and let's hope that. Just hold on and get through it. We'll get through it, and there's uh, what's the, the saying? There's always a, a rainbow on the other side of the storm, right? Just like Brother Is said. <laughs> if you're from Hawaii, you know who Brother Is is. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll wrap it up and um, wish you much success with Bob Snappers. Thank you. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com and take the Are You Ready for an Overseas Life Relocation Readiness Quiz. We'd also love for you to become part of our OLR community on Facebook. Thank you for listening.